verse number 8. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to read verses 8 and 10, and then we're going to jump down to verses 14 through 17. 2 Kings chapter number 4. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to start reading at verse number 8. If you're there with me, won't you say amen this morning? There's just a few. You're still turning. I still hear pages rattling. If you get to 1 Kings, keep going right. Keep turning. You'll get to 2 Kings. That's pretty good direction, isn't it, Brother Willie? Just keep, just keep going right. Just keep going right. Hallelujah. 2 Kings 4. Let me try again. If you're there with me, would you say amen? The Bible says this, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table, a stool, a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. Let's look at verse number 14. This is Elisha speaking. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, Thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. If we can, for just a few moments this morning, I would like to preach on the thought Making room for the miraculous. Amen. Making room for the miraculous. Won't you look to your neighbor and ask him, say, what are you making room for this morning? Go ahead and ask him. Look him right in the eye. What are you making room for this morning? Can we just pray together? Father, once again we come before you. Lord, knowing we are inadequate, I am inadequate in and of myself. I need your anointing, your presence, your power to help. I pray that you would anoint every ear and every heart. Lord, that we hear and understand your word today. I pray your word as we know that it does, that it speaks life that it goes forward to accomplish what it's sent to do. I thank you in advance that you're going to meet us in these altars and that we can leave here different. Father, I pray today that you would have your will and your way upon every life. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, we want to hear you and see you. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Making room for the miraculous. 
It's interesting as to the things that we are uh, willing to make room for. Especially here in the uh, United States of America, we come to find that uh, someone said who was living here from another country, he said, you have garages that are supposed to be for your vehicles. And yet there is uh, stuff that's in them. You're just filled from uh, floor to ceiling as to, uh, as to uh, make room for the stuff that we have. We find that there are things that are tucked into every nook and every cranny that we have. And if we don't have enough room there, we will rent out storage facilities in order to accommodate our things, our stuff. Amen. We find that uh, we are people that are often proud of our possessions. We uh, take a look and we get enamored with them and, and uh, we uh, treat them well and we cater to them and, and we uh, make sure that they have a place, maybe for display, maybe for uh, sentiment, maybe uh, for the fact of just knowing that we have it. Uh, there are uh, uh, there was a couple of things that we had at the house a couple of weeks ago and they were sitting on a little side table uh, there at, before you went down the hallway and uh, this Christmas Eve and Christmas we had uh, Sister Carolyn's family and some of my family that was at our home for the holidays and there were gift exchanges and there were things that were done uh, you know and games that were played and, and all that kind of a thing. And, and uh, there were some that they were flying back home or they were driving home or, or some that uh, Brother Marvin, they had so much stuff that there was folks saying, here, you take this and, and you take that home with you. You're right. Even though they drew the number or got the name of such, here, you take this. And, and we had, Sister Owens, a little table sitting there and there was some stuff on that table. And my wife said, uh, we're going to have to do something with this. These are some leftover things for Christmas and I said you know that we have much more than what we uh, ever have need of in the way of stuff when we still have things that were there and that some people just said here you take it we ain't got room for it and, and uh, you find somebody to give it to right and uh, I said I'm not going to go put that out in the shop and store it somewhere out there we're gonna, we'll donate it we'll, we'll give it to somebody uh, uh, but we always are finding that we we cherish and we put a prize on our stuff and we will make room and make accommodations for it. And this morning, if I can, I would like to, as we look at this particular text, we find that there are some interesting things here about this. And I know that, that this is not the first time that we have heard preaching here out of this, but if I may this morning... 
Can we just follow the leading of the Lord and, and uh, trust Him to speak exactly what He wants to speak uh, in regards to this? We find the Word of God here says uh, that this woman of Shunem, that she was, the Bible declares her to be a great woman. Now, there are commentaries that have a couple of different opinions about this word great, but there do seem to be some common denominators. There are some that believe that it attributed to what this family status was, what it was that they had and that they possessed. There are some that believe that it speaks to their wealth, that it speaks to their goods of the things that they had. There are others that talk about and trace some that believe that this woman of Shunem went down through the lineage, had connection even to David. And we come to find as to where that they were talking, some believe that they were talking about her influence and her example. But regardless of what we look at, whether it was wealth, whether it was power, whether it was position, whatever the case might be, uh, we see as to where this descriptive is given to this woman, given to their household of the fact uh, that it attributes that there was some things that they just, I guess, uh, we could naturally say just didn't have a lot of need for some things. Uh, Maybe it was the fact that we can assume safely that they had uh, enough to get them through whatever they needed, Brother Christian. Maybe it was the fact that they had the type of place that when you went into town, you recognized their house. Maybe it was a type of influence that when they went into the market, when they talked with the neighbors, everybody knew them, knew their family. Maybe they had made contributions within the place of their community as to where people may be respected or recognized their generosity, recognized the things that they did. However, what we do know is that this woman, her family, her and her husband, they were known as great here in Shunem. And the Bible tells us that this family begins to pay attention about the man of God who is passing by their residence on his travels, in his ministry. They are seeing Elisha, the man of God. And the Bible says that this woman had constrained the man of God that he would come in and that he would have bread, that he would eat with them. And the Bible says that as often, or they use the word continually, as he would come by, they would have him. He would pass in, turn into the house, and he would sup with them. I think in my mind and in my heart what I what I believe begins to transpire is it is apparent that Elisha's influence is infiltrating that home. It's time and conversation, time and fellowship and breaking of bread begins to allow them to see. As she tells her husband, she said, I perceive that this man is a mighty man of God. There's something different. There's something unique. Maybe Sister Haley, they had heard the stories about Elisha's ministry. Maybe they had heard some things about what he had done. But nonetheless, Brother Wilson, they were impacted 
impacted by his presence. Elisha, an ambassador. Elisha, a type of, a symbolism, a shadow of God in his presence and his working. As a prophet, he was God's mouthpiece. We know and see of all the things that God did through Elisha in order for his miracles, God's miracles to be performed. And this great woman, this man and his wife, as they look around and Brother Wesley Coleman they could say within themselves we really don't have much need of anything but this woman said here's what I have perceived I have perceived this is a man of God and I do perceive the fact that I that we should give him a place and a priority in our home. We want to be sure. I believe that in her mind, Brother Morgan, there was something that she realized the presence of God had and who he was that money could not buy. It didn't matter how much cattle she had. didn't matter the money in the bank. didn't matter her position didn't matter the prestige but there was something about God's presence that said we have to at all cost we're not going to spare expense we're not going to spare resource or effort or energy but I believe we need to make a room I believe we need to make a place and church can I say this morning in all of our getting in all that we have in all that this life and world can afford can I say I believe we as a church one more time must get back to the place to say God what I need in this hour is not more money for the gas station it's not more money for the groceries and a 40 year high of inflation but God get us to a place that we can say one more time more than anything we need your presence more than anything we've got to have the power of God in our homes and in our lives can I say that when we get a real perspective and an understanding of God's power of his presence the strength, the comfort, the help that it brings can I tell you is that life will afford you situations that money cannot get you out of it Degrees and education, influence, power and position, it cannot get you out of it. It will not exempt you from it. We see and recognize and know, even sitting in our midst, there are bad things that happen to good people. There are things, the Bible says, it rains on the just and the unjust. There are things, Brother Pickens, that when they, people come and have talked to me before, tears in their eyes, Sister Karen, and say, why does this have to happen? Why does this have to go on? And Brother Torbert, I don't have the answers. None of us have the answers. All we know is that I can assure you of this. This life is temporal. The things of this life are temporal. And if we're not careful, we sure make a lot of room. We make a lot of exception. We'll knock out walls and we'll expand our
our territories to get more stuff. But I want to ask the church this morning, are we willing to get to the place to say, Lord, there's some areas in my life that I need to knock some walls out. There's some things I need to do. There's some stuff that needs to come down so that you can come in. There's some stuff I need to tear down so that you can build up. Oh, can I say this morning, we as a church, we must make his presence priority one more time. The preeminent, all, all the pinnacle of all that we're after, that his presence is what we desire. His influence. The Bible says, I think it's interesting, they use the term constrained. Simply to apprehend. To say, come on in. Come on by. Fellowship with us. Can I ask this morning, if we are going to make room for the miraculous, we have to ask ourselves the question and be very forthright and honest to say, what else have I made room for? What is taking place? What is taking residence? What is my mind and what is my heart? What is my attitude? What preoccupies my life? I can say, let me say it like this. One fellow said, he said, if you show me your checkbook, he said, I can tell you what a man's priorities are. What we're willing to spend, what we're willing to invest in, what we're willing to give to, it speaks very candidly about what our priorities are. And in, the, in, in regards to this, we have heard the term of consumerism. We see the materialism and a materialistic lifestyle as to where there are many who, who are gauging what they have and feelings of importance and how the wealth is measured and all of these things and can I say there used to be a time there used to be a time in our homes there used to be a time in our churches hey man where there wasn't much of anything come on here can I tell you there was a time you may, you may not be able to see it now but there was a time that even this building there was some blood sweat and tears there was some things some investment some sacrifice a lot of prayers a lot of stepping out in faith but we get to a point in a place where we get comfortable and we look around and we think how it's always been but there was a time friends I remember my grandpa testifying he said as a young boy he said they used to sit on a hillside where the first, old original first assembly God church sat in Elsinore Missouri and he said we'd sit there he said none of us had money to go down to watch a picture so he said so we'd go when they was having and revival. He said back then Brother Keith, they didn't have air condition, but they had shutters on the windows and they would pop them open and prop them up with sticks. And he said we would literally sit there. Somebody would bring some popcorn and we'd watch them folks shout around the church. He'd said we'd laugh as they'd roll in the aisle. He said oh we gotta, he said I mean we, we had ourselves a time. He said we'd point our fingers and laugh. He said we'd make fun of them. Oh, but Brother Darren, can I tell you, my Papa said there came a time though when sitting on that hillside that 
the power that was working in that little old country church with no carpet, no air conditioning, and wooden pews. Oh, he said, there was a power at work that began to draw me as a child. Can I say, we've got more property, more building, more stuff, more room for programs and everything else. But what we need is to say, God, get us back to make room for the glory. Oh, we declare this is his house, but it isn't it interesting how all of these places around this United States that claim this is their house, that he is not allowed in many of them. Come on here. Him, his name might be on the sign, but it doesn't mean he resides in the building. Come on here. Can I say we've got to make room We've got to make room. She said, I perceive. She said, he passed by continually. Can I ask you this? How many times does God got to pass by? How many times do we have to be in a place? How many services are you going to say the next one? How many altar calls are you going to say the next one? How many times are you going to hear the preaching? How many times are you going to feel that convicting power and say another time? Because right now you're making room for other stuff. Making room for burdens. Making room for your ambitions. Making room for your addictions making room for useless, senseless things. And we look around and we treat it like a museum. We treat it like it's a showcase of the things of our life. Sister Haley, this woman came to the realization. She said, I might have a lot of stuff, but I perceive he's holy. I perceive he's a man of God. What was she doing? It wasn't just Elisha, but she was making room in the house for the miraculous to step in. Making room in the house here's what I have learned is that you don't do anything adding on to your house without it becoming public knowledge come on here you say well I live out in the sticks brother Jake nobody knows what we're doing I'm telling you somebody knows what you're doing you got a neighbor somewhere there's somebody driving by I remember back last summer when we was getting moved into the house. We had, uh, before we had the church out for open house or anything of that nature, there was some, some, some folks in the church and they said, well, we drove down the road to see where you was going to be. We saw where you was at. That didn't bother me any. But I'm telling you, you start to get room or make room or something, you're going to have the neighbor say, hey, what, what, what's, all that, what's all that material in your yard for? What's going on around here, right? Especially nowadays, lumber, you got to keep it under lock and key. That's a gold mine sitting there. Brother Christian, you start unloading some shingles at a place, getting everything ready. Oh, boy, everybody comes out peeking around. What, you, what y'all doing around here, huh? Oh, getting a new roof, huh? This going on? Oh, I see. Because what happens is, is when we make a, when we make a commitment, I want you to notice, she said, we're going to add this place on. We're going to put it onto the wall. And I can imagine all of the all of the neighborhood talking. Everybody's whispering. Oh, what's going on down there? You see them. Look at them. They must have made some more money. I mean, they look at them. They expand and they putting on a new master wing. I mean, maybe they're going to have a ping pong table in there. They probably didn't have ping pong back then. 
Oh, they're gonna, they, that, that's going to be their movie room. They, they're going to do something in there. They're going to have something. That's going to be their workout room, whatever the case might be. And I can see a neighbor coming by. Well, tell, tell me, sis, I see you got a little project going on. What are you doing around here? And, and she, I can see her as she says, and maybe tears start running down her face. She said, it ain't a room for more stuff. But she says, it's a room for the man of God. It's a room where God's going to abide. Can I say the problems we face, the situations we have in America, the situations and turmoil that's going on and the foolishness that's happening in our lives and in the church, it's because we have not got to build a place. Oh, can I say, may we one more time make it a priority. And Brother Josh, if they're going to talk and gossip about your commitment and your decision to make room for him, then let them talk until the cows come home. If they don't understand why you want to be faithfully I, why you want to serve him, let them say what they will. But may God give us some Joshua's that would say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Oh, continually he came, continually the Lord is passing us by. Oh, and we need to one more time constrain and apprehend the presence of God to make room and make a place. But see, here's what I want you to understand. This is a way oftentimes God does things that baffle our mind that we don't understand. But this is the way the kingdom of God works. Is, you see, her desire was not predicated on the fact that if I do this, I get this. That wasn't why she was doing it. That wasn't why. That was, she wasn't after anything. She, they find and make and say that this must be a priority. The presence of God. And we're just going to say that. I know it was Elisha who was staying in there. She built the first evangelist quarters ever. I know it was Elijah, but you allow me. He was a type and a shadow of God and his presence. And she wasn't doing so, Sister Carmen, to say, I'm going to hatch a deal that, God, if I give you this space, you're going to do this for me. Because there's a lot of times, as a matter of fact, let me say it like this, most of the time our approach with God is as if we're trying to strike a deal. As if, well, if I am this or if I do this, then you will do this. Let me, say, let me be very clear about something. God is not obligated, nor does he owe any man anything. He does not. And he doesn't work. This is not, this is not side hustles and side deals. This is, not, this is not any of those kinds of things. We must first, what you find here is there's purity of her purpose. All she knows is that she wants God right in the midst of everything that's going on in her life. She is great. She had lived. She had experienced. She had apprehended things. She had collected things. But this was one thing she said, boy, this is what I need. This is what we need. We need this presence. She's drawn. She's dealt with. She's convicted. But then we find that as a result, because oftentimes what happens is, is we pray, we talk, we act in such a way that we are trying to fit God into the place of where our need is. 
We are trying to contort God and manipulate Him into where we need the miracle. And this morning, this is what I'm asking you is, are you willing to make room for Him and Him alone? Because when you do, when you make room for Him, when you make Him priority and He is in preeminence, when you are willing to, and, and if it's public and who cares what anybody else says or what anybody else knows, this is what we want for our family. This is what we want for our church. This is what, did you know, can I just tell you something? Can I just tell you, did you know that there's a little bit of gossip going around about Victory Temple? Oh, we're quite scandalous, let me tell you. We are. There's gossip going around. Did you know that there are those, oh, they might tune in. They may not come in the church. But they might watch live stream. They'll say, oh, did you, I mean, did you know around there they shout around there? Did you know around there their services that preacher don't even preach? Did you know around, did you know around there they get people up around the altar and everybody gets speaking in tongues and all this stuff gets going on? Did you know, can I tell you, there's a little bit of gossip going around. Did you know that there's some, let me tell you, that when, that when God gets to moving and Brother Pickens, the devil gets stirred up, boy, folks don't like, the, let me put it like this, the devil don't like some of those things. Let me be more clear, he don't like any of those things. Did you know, can you believe they do that? Can you believe they sing that long? Can you believe how many times, how many times in a month do they have to have a service like that? How many times are they going to pray for this sick one? How many times are they going to do this? Let me tell you something. I want to make it abundantly clear. Those that will watch, those that have opinions, I will not make any apologies for the presence of God being in our midst. We're going to shout. We're going to sing. We're going to pray. We're going to lay on of hands. We're going to believe for miracles we're going to have altar calls we're going to believe in the gifts of the spirit I'm here to tell you I moved here at 2630 South 11th because I want God to have room I want him to have room in this house I want him to move in this place that's my heart's desire I'm trying, Brother Ben, to get from here to heaven. I don't want no stick-in-the-mud tradition. I don't want no form and function and routine. The Spirit gives life. Sister T, we got enough death around us. We need life. We need to plug into it. We need to grab a hold of it. And can I tell you, if you're not going to build with me, if it offends you, if you don't like it, I ain't going to move. You might as well find another place. You might as well go on somewhere else because we're going to let God have his way. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to save you some heartache. Hallelujah. Come on here. Listen, I believe he's a life giver. He's a helper. And our form, our tradition, our functions aren't going to change nothing. We need the Spirit of God. We need his presence. I want to make room. Oh, listen. 
There's room in my mind where fear and anxiety sits. There's room in my heart where I look at the desperation of this world and sometimes if I'm not, if I'm not careful in my humanity, hopelessness can set in. But if I make room for Him... If I make room for him, I know, just as we sang earlier today, it's because he lives, Sister Linda. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. It's because of making room. Brother Ben can march into MD Anderson and say, I don't know about tomorrow, but here's what I do know. I'm making some room for the miraculous. I'm making some room for God to do something. I'm making room. It ain't about trying to get God to wear. I am. It's about me expanding, knocking out the doors and walls, lengthening the cords, strengthening the stakes, and say, God, have your way in my life. As a result, I must move on. As a result, we come to find the man of God said, What is it that can be done for you? What is it can be done for you? Gehazi said, she's not able to have a child. Her husband is old. The man of God, if you read the entirety there, says he was laying there. He was laying there. Brother Christian, I want you to get this. Because <clears throat> a lot of times when we think about the miraculous, we kind of get like Naaman. Naaman was offended when the man of God stayed in the house and just sent word by way of a servant. He said, I thought you'd come out. I thought you'd Benny Hinnett. I'm sorry. I've, I might offend somebody. I th- I've got a million things running through my head right now. I, I thought you'd take your suit coat off and hit me on the head with it. Come on. I'm not saying God can't do that or hasn't used that or anything of that nature. I heard of stories of Billy Sunday and Jack Cole doing unusual things. Smith Wigglesworth doing unusual things. I'm not saying God doesn't do that. But sometimes we get in our mind. It has to look, feel, and seem like this. Elisha's stretched out on the bed. What, what do you need? Gehazi said, oh, they, they don't, she can't have children. Her husband says, oh, tell her. She's, she's come to the door at this point. He said, at, at, the, at this season, at the time of life, You're going to have a son. She's so taken aback. She says, don't lie to me, man of God. Don't lie to me. But the Bible says that she did. She conceived that son. She made her room for God's presence. And she did it with purity of purpose. She just wanted the presence of God to abide. But as a result, Sister Gay, she was making room for a miracle. Can I read to you the... The rest of the story. The Bible says that by the time that the lad had grown. When he was grown. That could be according to custom. That could be him being around the age of 13, 14. But he's out in the fields. And I'm not reading all of this. I'm just going to touch, touch base over it. 
He goes out, he's holding his head. He said, my head, my head. And he passes out. He falls out. They get him back. The husband says, get him back to the house. And I want you to notice this in 2 Kings 4, 18 through 21. Listen. And when the child was grown, it fell on the day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat her on her knees till noon. And then died. What do you do? When the very miracles God has given, what do you do when death is knocking on the door? I want you to notice what she did. She went up. She has that baby. Doesn't matter how grown now. She finds the strength. She picks him up. And the Bible says, Brother Torbert, she went not to her bedroom, not to his bedroom. Come on here. She didn't go to the closest, whoever that physician was. What did she do? She carried him. And it says she laid him on the bed of the man of God. Brother Wesley, she went to the room she had prepared for his presence. She went to the room. She stood in that room. I imagine his life flashing before her eyes. And she remembers the day, Brother Pickens, standing in that doorway. And Elisha says, you're going to have a son. She remembers all of these things. She remembers conversations. She remembers meals. She remembers all these things. But now it's time. Her miracle's under attack. And what is she left to do? She goes to the place. She goes to the room that had been prepared. Can I say, is that even in the same context, there are some churches and there are some believers, we say we're making room to show off. We say we're making room to make a name for ourselves, our ministries, our church name whatever the case might be but again her purity of purpose she wanted the presence of God and brother Pickens when life handed her a situation that she couldn't fix she couldn't get her way out thank God she had made preparation beforehand she had a room where the presence of God had abided church can I tell you it's not just about the shout it's not about a run but we need His presence and power in our lives because, Brother Christian, there are times, as you're well aware, sir, that, not, that life will knock the wind clear out of you. Brother and Sister Torbett and Ben, it'll knock you down to your knees. But Sister Haley, what we not need is not Pentecostal theatrics. What we need is that there has been an established place in our lives where we have made room for His presence. Because, Sister Cindy, there's going to be times we're carrying our grandbabies to that room. We're carrying our kids to that room. We're carrying our spouses to that room. We're carrying our loved ones to that room. Sister Bambi, we got things that we've got to put in the room. We've got to make room for the miraculous. Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. The Bible goes on to say, and you can go back and read it, 
The man of God goes in. That boy is laying there. First, he had sent Gehazi with the staff. They laid the staff on him. And, and he came back. He said, there's, there's still no sign of life. So the man of God goes. And he goes. And Brother Todd, he stretches out on that young man. Face to face, nose to nose. I mean, he just maps out that young man. And he closes the door on him. And he just begins to pray. The Bible says all of a sudden there's a stirring. Seven times. That boy begins to sneeze. He opens his eyes. And they walk out of that room. And that young man's walking around. That miracle has now been brought back to life. I'm telling you friends. This world there's craziness. There's confusion. There's hurt. There's desperation on every hand. I want to ask you this morning. What are you making room for? What are you making room for? There's some in this room you could stand and testify and say, I wouldn't be here today. I couldn't make it. I wouldn't be sane if I hadn't have prepared a place in my life to where he had preeminence. He had the, the place of priority and position in our home and in our lives. I'm telling you, friends, I don't want to reach a place of tragedy in my life and then have to go, Sister T, and try to build a room then. Brother Wesley, I don't want to go through life and not have a place that I can't carry Ashlyn or Carolyn to and lay him down in the presence of God and say, God, only you can do it. Only you can do it. Mamas, daddies, grandmas, grandpas, whatever your title or position might be. While there's yet day, let us work while there's yet day. While there's yet day, why don't you ask him, Lord, help me. Help me make some room. Help me. Forgive me walls I've put up. Help me where I've closed some things off. Forgive me, Lord, when I've, when I've barricaded some things up. Forgive me because I've let other things take priority. You want in. You want to be a part. But I've got too much in the way. I'm telling you, it's not going to get better. This world is not. I wish I could tell you. Now that doesn't destroy my hope, Sister Carmen. It doesn't because my hope's not in this world. But it's not going to get better. It's not. And I believe if there's one thing where God's trying to deal with folks is make some room. Make me a priority. Make me a place, a space. And as I come into that place, you'll find that I will... I will provide miracles that happen in your life on behalf of your family. Can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you today for your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, for your mercies. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, you are the miracle worker. I'm glad today, God, you are able exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even think according to the power that works in us. Lord, I pray today you would challenge our hearts. I pray, help us, Lord, that we are willing. Lord, that number one, we see the need. We recognize you are all. You are everything we need.
We have made room. We've made provision. We've made priority for a lot of things in this life. But Lord, what we need, what we need is your presence. What we need is your power. Lord, what we need is for you to move once again freely. What we want and desire, Lord, is for you to come in, to turn in, to abide, to commune, to rest, to fellowship with us. Lord, as we make room for you, we're making room for the miraculous. When our miracles are under attack, when the things that you've done, when it seems like all is lost, Lord, I'm thankful that we have a place that we can lay those burdens, we can lay those cares, we can lay that which is precious to us in your presence. Lord, today maybe there are some, maybe there are some in this place that you you would say, I don't have anywhere to lay my burden. I don't have anywhere to give it to God. I, I, Brother Jake, if I'm being honest, I've made room for a lot of things, but I have not made God, His presence, His house, the things of God, His Word. I have not made them a priority in my life. But I realize is that life can often be unfair. Life is hard. Life is difficult. And I want there to be a place that in my life that His presence ab- abides that the Spirit of God abounds, that I know what real liberty is, that I know what real joy is, that I know where my hope is placed. Because there's going to come a time, there's going to be some things we're going to have to place back in that room and let God breathe life into it again. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I want to make room. I want to make place and position for God to be real in my life, real in my family. Not to strike a bargain, not to strike a deal, but because I love Him. Because I know that I need Him. I know I've got things, I've got stuff, I've got a job, I've got a car, I've got a house, I've got this, I've got... But Lord, what we need, well, some could say I've got religion, I've got form and function. But what I need is a fresh moving of your spirit. What I need is revival in my soul. What I need, Lord, is for you to come in and and purge and cleanse and wash me. Lord, what I need, what I need is for you to abide. If that's your heart, if that's your life today, why don't we come find ourselves a place in these altars this morning? Why don't we come? Would somebody come with a mind made up and a heart that would say, Lord, I want to make room. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, when I've made other things a priority. Forgive me, Lord, when I've made other things a preeminence. Oh, but God, I need you today. Oh, families, mamas and daddies, couples. Oh, can I tell you, you're going to have to make a decision for you and your house. You're going to have to make a decision for your life. You're going to have to make a decision. Lord, i got to make room. Oh, there's things in life I don't understand. There's things right now that are difficult to comprehend. Oh, Lamb of God. Oh, Lamb of God. Daily